0: Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits This is another special mini-show just for you Patreon subscribers Now look here, you! We I won't, appreciate I won't, it. No,
1: I won't tell you this. It's Emma's History Hole. It's all about me, darling.
0: It is. It's a deep, dark hole.
1: Have I got a story for you this okay. week? Okay,
0: when you pitched this to me, I was puzzled. So, all right, lay it out.
1: I'm going to draw you a link between a very, very famous comedy family, world-famous comedy family, from the 1930s and 40s. The atomic bomb that was dropped on Japan that essentially finished the Second World War. A classic motorcycle and upgraded braking components you can bolt on your motorcycle right now, today.
0: Okay. I I don't know what Isn't these that things have in common. Nuts? Every,
1: it, oh, I, I've got. Such a story for you. So, we're going to start at the beginning, which right. is always a good place to start. Let's go way back. Way back when? Um, we're going to talk about the Marx brothers. Yes. We're not going to talk about Harpo.
0: No, not. Uh, how about Groucho?
1: We're not going to talk about Groucho or Chico.
0: Or the lesser known Gummo. Gummo. <laughs> who the hell is Gummo Marx? Oh my God. Wait, So, who does that leave us?
1: Well, that leaves us as Epo.
0: Yes. No, I'm gonna go back
1: to Gomo Marx. I was wondering <laughs> if he if he had all his teeth taken out and they were watching him eat something chewy oh, and that's horrible. Yeah, I know, isn't that something so, so Zeppo Marx um was born nineteen oh one
0: Herbert Manfred Herbert Marx. Manfred Marx.
1: And this is something that you need the 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 Marx brothers really were brothers. I mean they were really brothers. A lot of time back then, you know, there were vaudeville acts and they said we're brothers and they just came together. But the, the Marx Brothers were really brothers. And Zeppo was the youngest. Yes. Um, Gummo was... <laughs> he, <got laughs> Gummo. he was the second youngest. But Zeppo was basically the straight man. Um, he had quite an important role in the Marx Brothers because if any of them got sick, he was talented enough that he could kind of step into their role. Um, He was never the most successful one, largely because nobody really remembers him now, although he did appear in a lot of their famous films. But he was the straight guy. He was the forgettable one. I mean, everybody remembers Groucho because he was the most flamboyant. But a comedian and an actor is not really what he did. He was an inventor and an engineer.
0: Yeah, this is what's amazing.
1: Yeah, and this is this is the amazing thing. So if you see a night at the opera or duck soup or something that he's in, you're not seeing just an like, actor, you're seeing a wildly talented engineer. And one of his most famous creations up to the motorbike. And we're going to get to the motorbike in a minute and the why there is the a workforce. motorbike. There is a motorbike. Well, we're a motorbike
0: podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's got to be a motorbike so, yeah, in just, here somewhere. Hang on, there is a motorbike, but there's some really cool stuff. There is some the really motorbike. cool
1: stuff. So, um Zeppo Marx's engineering company was primarily devoted to inventions of the uh, aerospace field and his most famous invention within that sphere Was called the Marmon clamp, and I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself. The company was actually called Marmon, and that's M-A-R-M-A-N. And the most fame, one of the most famous inventions was the clamp that actually held. Now there is some controversy here because depending on which account you read, I'm going to go with the one I believe it held the Fat Man bomb. Now the Fat Man bomb was the second atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki it wasn't in the Enola Gay it was in um, an aircraft called Boxcar. Enola Gay dropped the first bomb on Hiroshima and the bomb I believe was called Little Boy and then the second bomb was dropped on Nagasaki it was called Fat Man and the plane was Boxcar after the Captain Bok. The clamp that actually held the bomb and presumably let the bomb go when it was the assigned time, was a Marmon clamp.
0: Now we can stress this is a pretty important part. One can say maybe the most important part on the airplane. Well, you could argue. When you're carrying an atomic bomb.
1: Exactly. You you really, I mean, if if your intent is to get rid of this thing and then go back home in one piece, which I'm sure was everyone's intent, the clamp is kind of an important thing. and. Really, the thing I want to stress here is if you're put in the position where one of your clamps is holding such an important piece of ordnance, this is a successful company. This isn't some like little rinky-dink backwards, oh, we're going to knock something up out of angle iron. If you're holding an atomic bomb with one of your clamps, this is a wildly respected and successful company. Engineering company, as indeed Marmon was. I'm
0: guessing this wasn't mass produced.
1: No, it's. I think it was a. How many
0: atomic bomb (laughs) clamps did they need to make? Or is this one of those the uh, army's $800,000 little (laughs) thing? You know, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting
1: to find out how many aircraft were actually equipped to carry an atomic bomb? We know of at least two, which means there must have been another two in the wings. Because you, nev- you have plane A and plane B. So let's say an Gay takes off and two of its engines flame out. There's going to be another one sitting on the apron ready to take its place. And it would be the same with Boxcar. So there must have been at least four. I mean, I guess everything's covered by the, the uh, um, Military Secrets Act. So we may never know.
0: So... What else did he design and make?
1: Well, we're still going to come to the motorbike, and that's down the road. Um, He invented the Fitbit. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it, it wasn't a Fitbit, as we know. <laughs> Apparently, it was a wristwatch-sized device that would measure your heartbeat. And if your heartbeat became irregular, it set off an alarm. I mean, it's primarily used for people who had heart conditions. and were lying in a hospital bed. It'd beep, 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 and then your heartbeat becomes regular, and the alarm goes off. What? This is absolutely... That's amazing. Isn't it amazing?
0: Well, yeah, because uh, that's pretty small technology for the time.
1: Absolutely. And so, finally, we're going to come to the motorbike.
0: And... Oh, wait. No, there was something else. There
1: was something
0: else. There was something else. Do you remember what it was? No, I don't. Remind <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't remember. It was a therapeutic pad for delivering moist heat to no, a patient. No, we decided we weren't going to go there. <laughs> we just, if you remember, we
1: talked about this subject, moist heat. Oh. And we decided it was too controversial even for well, the misfits.
0: I just started thinking, where would someone need... Oh, wait, no, I don't want no, to think about you this. I don't want to think about this. You
1: say you introduced this subject and you immediately regretted it. So I, I stuck by my decision. It kind of went in one ear and out the other. So, tra-la-la. <laughs> Um, so the motorbike the motorbike and we we researched the bike the one thing we couldn't find out was why it was invented in the first place
0: so let's first what was the motorbike called
1: the motorbike was called the marmon twin
0: and can you describe it
1: very easily i'm sure most people who listen to our podcast are familiar with what a schwinn bicycle looks like if you're not a Schwinn bicycle was really a product of the 1940s and 50s in America. Um, it was immortalized by millions of newspaper delivery boys who used to ride these things like demons. And it was a bicycle that looked like an Art Deco masterpiece. They had beautifully curved frames. A lot of them had fake gas tanks. A lot of them had heavy fenders. We're a lot talking of in
0: 1948, yeah, 49.
1: Exactly. Um So, if you picture this thing with a two-stroke, horizontally opposed engine in it, like a BMW, but instead of going across the frame, running front and back. Oh, okay. So, a twin-cylinder bike, which really set it apart, because back in the 40s, this motorbike was built in 1948 and 1949 only, and I presume they were pretty expensive. Most engines back then would be single cylinder. This was a twin, um, cranked out a whopping three and a half horsepower. And it was actually made by a company in Philadelphia called the Jack and Hines Company. And this engine weighed 30 pounds and it had a very specific function in the Second World War. So we're going back to the Second World War now. And it was a drone engine.
0: Okay, this even amazes me. So we've basically proved that Fitbits existed in the 40s. Now we know that drones existed. Exactly,
1: but drones had a different purpose. They used them for reconnaissance, but that wasn't really their purpose. Drones were mostly used for target practice back then. If you wanted to really sharpen the skills of your anti-aircraft gunners, um, You bolted an engine in an unmanned plane, Mm -hmm. sent it flying, and see if they could shoot it out of the sky. Hope for the best. Hope (laughs) for the best. Now, obviously, you didn't want to put a Packard Merlin engine in that thing because they were extremely complex, extremely expensive to produce, and you didn't want to waste it. So you basically, you had a very, very simple engine um, that produced enough power to get a plane off the ground and so people could take pot shots at it. And Jack and Hines came through with a 30-pound engine that produced sufficient power. Three and a half horsepower doesn't sound like a lot. But if you attach a propeller to the front of it and put it in a lightweight plane, that's going to get the job done. Um, And so that was that. So that was the engine. I'm guessing, and again, we did a little bit of research on this and we couldn't find out how many were stockpiled after the war, but I'm guessing there were quite a few. Zeppo Marx took this engine, had a custom frame specifically made for it by the Schwinn Corporation, engineered all the add-on bits, the exhaust system, the gas tank, the controls, everything you needed, packaged it as a kit, and sold it. Now, they were only in production for two years, and I'm guessing what really finished them off with a cost. Because if you look at these things, and I encourage you to do some research on the Marmon Twin bike. We'll post a picture on our website. Will we, Liza? No. Okay. (laughs) Well... It's an extremely... Maybe, we'll see. Yeah, it's an extremely expensive-looking thing, and I'm thinking that cost probably did it
0: in. So it's Marman, M-A-R-M-A-N. True that. And it's a good-looking bike. I'm wondering if um, maybe there was uh, surplus motors.
1: That's what I'm thinking. That's probably why, inevitably, the Whizzer was probably one of its major competitors which is a single cylinder and in a lot of ways if you see a Marmon Twin and a Whizzer they're obviously products of the same time they're obviously competitive the Wizard's a cheaper machine it's got a one-cylinder engine and ultimately was more successful so that's probably why it only had a two-year production run but to all intents and purposes Everyone I've talked to who have had any contact with these things say they're very, very high quality. They run beautifully. They're a wonderful thing to look at. So even though it wasn't as popular as some of the other models, it's great looking back and seeing what a nice-looking machine it was.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've talked before about how there's so many manufacturers that throughout just the last decade right. here in the U.S., and this is just another one of those names I had not heard of before, and it's fascinating to learn. Now, the next time I'm going to uh, you know, a museum or like the quail, I'm going to start looking, see if anyone has a Mormon. These have to be pretty rare.
1: Oh, I, I don't think I have ever seen one in the flesh. So this is how rare they are, and as you quite rightly point out, there were tons of these different manufacturers everywhere, all gone by the wayside. But I'm not quite finished yet because I promised you that I could tie this in to a product, an upgrade, that you could bolt on your bike right now. So in the 1950s, the Marmon company was sold to a company called Aeroquip. And Aeroquip in turn was sold to a company called Goodrich in the nineteen seventies. Now Goodrich that
0: name sounds familiar. Yeah, we're
1: getting kinda close to home right now. Now Goodrich Aeroquip really got a very, very big hold on fluid transfer, which is a very posh way of saying hoses. And hoses for aircraft mean very, very low shri- uh, no, no, low swelling. Mm-hmm. So when you put apply pressure into a hose in an aircraft, oh. you don't want it to swell because if the hose swells, then the pressure you're putting in is not necessarily the pressure you get out.
0: Which is why we upgrade to, to stainless, stainless steel right.
1: lines. And specifically the very, very first ones. Now, a lot of people do these now. Golfer do them, braking do them. Mm-hmm. Pretty much Brembo do their own brand. Everybody who does braking for motorcycles has their own brand of stainless steel line. But back in the 70s, the pioneers, the very first choice, were Goodrich Aeroquip. And those are the ones that we reached for in the 1970s. When we wanted to upgrade the mushy brakes on our Z1s and CB750s, it was Goodrich Aeroquip. They were the first ones. They're still in production now. In my opinion, they still make the best lines. They've got all that proven aeronautical technology behind them. Very, very high quality. And you can draw a direct line from them back to Marmon, back to Zeppo Marx.
0: Awesome. Isn't that amazing? That's a good story.
1: Well, you know, I'm always reminded of the link between aircraft technology and motorcycle technology and it's a very very tangible link. I mean the the bikes that we ride certainly when you compare them to cars, I mean cars ultimately are very complex machines but just the level of performance you get out of motorcycles and what's expected of them. We lean very very heavily on the aeronautic industry for a lot of the innovations that come. The materials we use, the fluid transfer, just the way things are engineered. The anti-lock braking system on motorcycles really made its first appearance on aircraft. Bet you didn't know that airliners had anti-lock brakes way back in the 1940s and 50s.
0: You would be correct.
1: Well, now you know. So there is that link. But just tying it all in with the Marx Brothers... I think you've got a tidbit that you want to share. Because I heard of very famous, <laughs> very famous singers yeah. being na- named, being bandied about. Oh,
0: let's just get to some of the other.
1: The juicy stuff. The
0: juicy stuff. So his last wife was named Barbara. Barbara. And uh, they lived in a very nice house.
1: And the next door neighbor was?
0: Frank Sinatra who used to have a lot of parties and would invite uh, Zeppo and his wife over. And uh, then she started going behind his back. And she had a fling with she Frankie. She had a fling with Frankie. And uh, it ultimately he found out, he found out because the press right. were hounding them and uh, caught them. And so he did divorce her. And a couple years later, he he sold that house, and he moved into another house right off of Frank Sinatra Drive. <laughs> that must be hard. But uh, sadly, he had cancer. Right. But something sweet is that she was still there for him and would accompany him to the doctors. And on his final days when he was dying of cancer, he was surrounded by her family. Right. So still in the end, Frank got the wife, but... I think Zeppo still had her heart.
1: And, you know, I'm reminded we can look back on Zeppo fondly as misfits. We can look back on him fondly for his contribution to the motorcycle industry. There are aeronautic nuts out there who look back at him fondly for all his inventions for aircraft. There's people in the medical industry that can look back on, on him fondly for the stuff he invented for them. Moist heat. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> and then this film buffs who can look back at him fondly for his straight work with the Marx Brothers. So you know what, Zeppo Marx? Take a bow, mate. You are a cool cat.
0: Awesome. Thanks for that, Emma. And also I wanted to thank everyone again for subscribing and helping to support us on Patreon. This minisode was just for you. And we're going to keep them coming. So you can email or contact us if you have some ideas that you think would be a good mini-sode and let us know and uh, we'll look into it.
1: And Yeah, I promise. Any suggestion that comes in, we look at it, we research it. If we can make it into a mini-sode, it's going to happen. So once again, thanks Patreon subscribers. The only way you get to hear this is being a Patreon subscriber. So if you've got friends, encourage them to jump on the Patreon subscriber bandwagon. Thank you. Keep it up, guys.
0: All right. Thanks a lot.